Welcome to today's episode of the We Travel There podcast. Today we've gone down under to Melbourne, Australia. Today's guest is Abby Lutis of the Wanderlusters Mind podcast. She's a life coach who focuses on helping Wanderlusters use their travel experience to further their careers. Australia is on many travelers' bucket lists, so I'm excited for us to learn all about Melbourne from a local. Today's show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Melbourne. Let's start the show. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Although I love to travel, sometimes it is just good to be home. When I moved to Nashville, I decided to splurge and get a Nectar Sleep mattress that provided all the comfort of a luxury hotel without the price tag of one. I love that Nectar Sleep includes a forever warranty and that you get a 365 night trial to make sure that your mattress is everything you've dreamed of. For a limited time, my listeners will get $125 off and two free pillows with your order when you use the link wetravelthere.com forward slash nectar. Hey, Abby, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really well. I'm well, thank you. Okay, great. Let's uh, let's start talking about your city of Melbourne. What's going on in Melbourne? Oh, well, Melbourne is just such a beautiful, vibrant city. I have lived in a few cities, but I think Melbourne is, there's just so much going on there. It's so much culture. There's so many different types of events. There's lots of beautiful places that you can visit. It's so rich. I love it. Right on. So when people are talking about uh, visiting Melbourne, what type of year would you recommend that they visit? I'm always going to say in that period after, you know, the intense summer period, I think, which is probably between, you know, March, April, May, I guess, because there's just always so much going on. Melbourne, if depending if you're looking for weather, Melbourne is a, a city that has, that can have four seasons in one day. But if you're going for weather, you're probably going to get the nicest part of the weather in sort of February through to May time. But there is just so, there's so many events going on in Melbourne year round, but obviously being in the summer and those months, I guess it's, there's just always plenty of things, festivals, sporting events, cultural events, so much to see. Sure. And just for our listeners, just remember that Melbourne is in the Southern Hemisphere. So when, when Abby's talking about March, April, May, that's actually their fall. Versus, you know, it's spring for us. And uh, it actually threw me off the first time I visited Australia. We were there in December time frame, And it's weird being in 90 degree heat and you're seeing all the Christmas decorations. <laughs> you know, for me, it's not weird. It's not different because that's what I know. It's what I've grown up with. But yes, we have the, the summer Christmas and the summer New Year. And it's a beautiful time. Everyone's having, you know, their break from work and their summer holidays. And then we head into the New Year and refreshed and have lived in the Northern Hemisphere. And so uh, it was really, really nice to experience a cold winter, but it's how we do it down here. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say, obviously, it's summertime, what's like the best place to spend New Year's? Oh, in Melbourne, there's always so much going on. And I had spent a few New Year's at Federation Square, mainly because that's where I used to work. And so anywhere in the city or the CBD, there is always just so much going on. And and Federation Square is, I guess, like a a central hub. And so they'll always have some sort of party going on there. But 
there's always fireworks along the river or, you know, down on St Kilda or down by Albert Park Lake. It comes alive. Wherever you go, you're always going to find a party, whether it's in the city, down in St Kilda or on the beach or, yeah, it's just always happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great because in Northern Hemisphere, obviously it's around Christmas time and it's winter, so the nights mm. actually you know start earlier, right? So the sun sets around five or six o'clock, depending upon where you are here in the U.S. But summertime down there, it doesn't get dark till probably eight nine o'clock at night, right? Yeah, well, we have the daylight savings, and so you're right. It's probably about nine o'clock that it will start to get dark, especially at that time of year because the the solstice is close to that that New Year's time, and so. We do have those, you know, long, long days and, and the shorter nights. And, and it's so different too because in the summer, everyone's out and about and you know what it's like in summertime. It's just that relaxed atmosphere and as opposed to in winter when it's cold and everyone wants to be indoors and, and warming up. So, yeah, it's a really nice way to, to be out to spend New Year's in, in the Southern Hemisphere and in the warm weather with those long days and, and the balmy evenings in, in the nighttime. <laughs> No, that sounds great. It sounds much better having some uh, light clothes on versus being bundled up in, in parkas and jackets for New Year's. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so when people are, are visiting Melbourne, is it something that they need to rent a car or can they get around easy on public transportation? Melbourne is so easy to get around. They have really good public transport system. I mean, you can rent a car if you want to. It's pretty straightforward city to get around, but... They do have really great public transport. There's a tram network and trains and buses, but then you can walk a lot of places as well. So you don't need to rent a car. If you're heading to the city, you're probably best to stick with the public transport because you're just going to end up with it being a hassle having to find parking and and that type of thing. If you're going to get out of Melbourne and, and visit the surrounding areas, then you might consider hiring a car. But the city itself, it's not really necessary. We have um, really good public transport down there. The, the trams are just such a great network. And once you, you know, you spend that little bit of time, like as you do when you visit a city to figure out how the public transport system works. And it's just so easy. Is it mainly buses or is there like monorails and subways too? Mainly trams. The tram network has been there for a very long time, but then they do have the trains, which reach further out into the suburbs. So there are buses that run as well, but the easiest option is to just jump on a tram. You know, there's lots of apps these days that just tell you how to get from here to there on public transport and, and you plug it in and you, it'll tell you which number tram you need to get on and, and where the stop is and away you go. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, because I, mean, I know in, in the cities in the US, especially the major ones, if you do rent a car, the parking is quite expensive in the cities. Mm. Is it pretty expensive in the city there as well? Yeah, it really depends on when you go. Obviously, if you're going in the weekday and you want to spend a whole day or park your car for a whole day, it's going to be pricey. If you know weekends, you can get a little bit cheaper, but I still think I think it's still expensive compared to getting on public transport. I think that that's going to be the cheaper option, and the car's just going to be sitting in in the parking space. It's it's not going to be doing anything. <laughs> well, that sounds good because especially because for us in the U.S. and in the Northern Hemisphere. We actually, the driver's wheel's on the left side and we're driving on the right side of the road. But the first time we went to Australia, we rented a car and it took a while to get used to driving on the left side of the road and being on the right side of the vehicle. Yeah. It's a really different experience. And I know from personal experience, I lived in Canada and had a car there and was driving on the other side of the road. And 
I think it makes it even more different when you are in a city and you're having to deal with traffic. And Melbourne is a pretty easy city to get around in terms of the roads. It's in the CBD, it's practically a grid system. But with the tram network in there, there's added complications like different ways that you have to turn to allow, you know, for the trams to go past. And and that can really get complicated for people if they don't know what they're doing. So add that into the mix of driving on the other side of the road. It's probably just best to get the get the public transport, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big believer in, in using public transportation as much as possible and walking around as much as possible. To me, it feels like you get a better experience in the city because mm. you're not because you're not focused on the road you're focused on what you're seeing and what's going on around you yeah you're absolutely right I think you know when we go slower whether it's walking or on a bike or even if we're on the public transport it gives us the opportunity just to you know look out the window get our bearings if we're in a car and as you say if you're from a country that doesn't drive on the same side of the road you just add all those elements into the mix and it's, it just gets quite confusing I think uh, better to take the public transport. <laughs> One of the things I noticed when we were looking around for things to do in Melbourne is something called the 12 Apostles. Mm. So is that is that something that you would need to get a car? Is there, there tours that you would take to get out there? What's the best way to get out to see something outside of the city like that? I guess there's two options and there's plenty of tours that run down the Great Ocean Road to the 12 Apostles. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned because I'm originally from a place on the Great Ocean Road. And so I've noticed now increasingly more and more tours coming down the Great Ocean Road going to the 12 Apostles. I guess it just depends on what type of tour that you're after. Are you wanting to go on a on a coach and spend that time with lots of other people? Or do you want to jump in a car and really explore and have your own little group to go with and, you know, be able to stop at the places along the way or hiring a car to get down to a place like the 12 Apostles, you know, it could be a good option. You're getting out of the city, you're not having to deal with all that traffic and it is a beautiful drive. I'll tell you that one. I'll tell you that much. And so when you have that flexibility to say, well, I just want to stop off at this lookout and just admire the beautiful scenery and the beaches and the the cliffs that you, you're going to come across when you go down that road and, you know, the little towns along the way, the beachside towns, you, you're going to have an absolute blast. So if it was me, I'd probably say jump in the car for, you know, getting out of the city. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's one of those things you can do the best of both worlds, right? For the time that you're spending inside Melbourne, use the public transportation, do everything you're going to do, walk around, ride a bike, take the bus, take the mm-hmm. trams, et cetera. But then on the day trip or the couple of days that you want to take to go see the 12 apostles and, and other things, just rent a car for those couple of days. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then you're not going to run into the, the traffic so much as you get outside the city and you're going to have more flexibility. But if you're sticking in the CBD, then you want to probably stick to what's easy. Right on. And then while you're down there, obviously on the coast, there's an opportunity to see penguins, at Phillips Island, is that right? Yeah, so that's actually down the other side of the coastline. The 12 Apostles goes west of Melbourne. Um, and if okay. you go down to the east, you can go down to Phillip Island and see the Penguin Parade. I actually haven't done that myself, but it is a very big major tourist attraction where where the penguins come into the beach and everyone, you know, crowds around. Or I think they even have it set up with stands and barriers now. So the, the penguins are protected and tourists aren't getting in the way. So yeah, that's quite an attraction. For me, it's like being able to see those type of unique experiences that, because 
obviously you can see penguins in, at zoos and things like that, but being actually be able to be that close to them in more of a natural environment, to me, that's one of the most amazing things about being able to travel is seeing unique experiences like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are certain places where you can go and have those types of experience. And, you know, Australia definitely lends itself to lots of wildlife and getting up close to nature and, and getting into, you know, the ocean and, and the country and the bushes and the mountain, all that sort of thing when you do get out of the cities. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Federation Square and all the other things to do in the vibrant city of Melbourne. What are some of the other things you like to do and, and what are some of the places that you like to go eat? Yeah, so one of the top things on my list is the Queen Victoria Markets. It's always a happening place. It's quite a big market space and they do a lot of different things there now these days. They generally have your your general markets. I think they run maybe five days a week. But in the summertime, they have these great night markets where you can go and just gorge on market food and hear live music and it's a beautiful way to spend a summer evening. They also have night markets now in the winter, but I actually haven't attended one of those. I'd really love to go and and see that. But there's just, you know, you can get anything and everything at, at those markets and it's just a really great experience to go and spend your day perusing through the the markets there. If you want to get a bit of a nature fix, you could head out to the Botanical Gardens. It's just, you know, just across the river from the CBD. It's just really beautiful. It's really well kept and you can sort of spend a couple of hours wandering around there and, and getting into nature. And, you, you know, as with most cities, there is always a beautiful park area or gardens area. And and the Royal Botanical Gardens is, is really just beautiful. I need to pause for a second. You mentioned CBD yeah. a few times. I'm not familiar with that term, and, and some of the listeners probably aren't either. What what does CBD stand for? <gasps> I have to apologize. I'm sorry. It stands for the Central Business District. So it's kind of like just the main hub of the city where I don't know if you have a term for that in the US, but yeah, the CBD, Central Business District. It's where, you know, the very heart of the city where everything happens, all, all the business oh, happens, okay. all, all everything is. <laughs> so in the US, a lot of times they'll call that the downtown yeah, yeah, that's probably exactly the correlation. Okay. Sorry, I cut you off. You were mentioning something else. No, that was what I was going to say is you can head down to St. Kilda, which is down by the beach, which is also a really beautiful, vibrant area. There's really a beautiful atmosphere down there. They have lots of great bars, lots of great food. They have festivals in the summertime. There's just always something happening down in St. Kilda. But you mentioned where I like to go and eat. So, there's so many places to eat in Melbourne. It's just such a foodie town. I'm a big fan of sweets. So I always want to look out for the cakes and all those types of things. So <laughs> one place that I really love is called the Hopeton Tea Rooms and they have been there for a very, very long time. It's in one of the little arcades in Melbourne and it's a traditional old little, I mean, it's been very well kept and you go inside and you, you feel like you're going into a time warp, but you know, they will have queues out the door that you have to wait to get a table in these tea rooms and they have these gorgeous cakes, amazing teas. I know you can go and have high tea there, but you have to book, I think, maybe like six months in advance if you want to get the date that you're looking for. Oh, wow. it's, um, but it's really, uh, if, if you're into your cakes and your sweets, then you want to get on down to the Hopeton <laughs> Tea Rooms. <laughs> right. On. So is, is Melbourne, do they have a certain type of food that they're most known for? 
Oh, there's so many different types of food in Melbourne. And, and I think there's sort of different areas where you can get that food. I, and I know like there's certain regions like Victoria Street, which I guess is north of the, we'll call it the downtown or the CVD. They have lots of beautiful Vietnamese food there. And, and there's Chinatown where obviously lots of beautiful Chinese food. And there's all these different little pockets, you know, in the alleyways. I've noticed there's lots of beautiful Italian restaurants. Then in the north, you have Ligon Street, where again, there's lots of beautiful Italian cuisine. And, you know, there's all these different little pockets where you can go to, depending on what type of food that you're after. But, you know, you're generally going to find lots of good food in Melbourne. So it sounds like it's very cosmopolitan in the sense where have all the different international flavors, whatever you have a feeling for that night, you can find a place that has quality food that's going to meet your desires. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So when uh, my wife and I were in Sydney the last time, there was an alligator pizza. Oh my goodness. Or maybe, croc- <laughs> like maybe, or maybe it's crocodile. And another one was uh, kangaroo. Mm. So have you had kangaroo or is that something that you eat on a regular basis? Or am I just being culturally insensitive by asking that type of question? No, I mean, kangaroo is something that people eat. And that's probably what I've heard of the most common of the Australian animals that we would eat kangaroo. I actually don't eat meat anymore, but I have tried kangaroo like years ago. Yeah, it was really delicious. It was really tender and it was definitely something that I like. Here in Australia, we eat a lot of I don't really eat meat anymore, but then, you know, we eat a lot of beef, chicken and lamb, I guess I would say would be the common meats that we eat here. But yeah, kangaroo is definitely something that that is common on a menu. One of the jokes here in America is whenever you eat something that's a little unusual, they always ask if it tastes like chicken (laughs) because that's kind of like the common thing. Oh, yeah, it tastes like chicken. Everybody knows what chicken tastes like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Abby, it's been great having you on, answering all these different questions about Melbourne. Uh, Everybody, we're going to have everything we talked about in the show notes, but now it's time for the final countdown. And so we want to get Abby's personal opinion on these awesome things to do in our city. So Abby, if if a traveler only had time for one meal in Melbourne, where should they go and what should they eat? Yeah, well, I'm going to send them down to Sister of the Soul, which is in Ackland Street in St. Kilda. It's actually a vegetarian and vegan cafe. Okay. I have been there a couple of times and I cannot go past the mushroom halloumi burger. It's on, served on this brioche bun and it's got these beautiful, fresh sweet potato chips that are, oh, it's just delicious. You can go there even if you're not a vegetarian or a vegan and you'll find something that's going to satisfy your taste buds because it's just, they do such a great job. It's got an amazing atmosphere. It's just always happening down there. So, sister of soul. Okay, great. Yeah, my wife is huge as far as loving all the fresh vegetables everywhere we go. So, that sounds like a perfect spot to take her. Yeah, Yeah. So, tell me one of your most memorable stories of Melbourne. Oh, gosh, this is a tricky one because there's so many different stories. And what's coming into my mind was when I actually did a fun run in Melbourne and it's called Run for the Kids. So we raise money for the children's hospital and I did a fun run. You know, I had to spend a lot of time doing training, which got me out and about and running around Melbourne and seeing all the different sites and places that there is to see. But this run just was really beautiful. And I guess it was memorable. It was a 14-kilometer run that I did. I was working in the city at the time, and I thought, I am going to ride my bike in to the center as a warm-up before I get started with this run. And as I had always done, I would ride my bike into work along the river. And just so happened on this day that I 
got a flat about halfway in on my way to, to the beginning of this fun run. So I had to push my bike and I was kind of in a hurry and a rush, but getting to the start line, I got there just in time. Yeah, it was just a really beautiful run. It took you through all the different areas of the city and it was one of those events that I never sort of felt too strained because it was sort of a really an experience. I was sort of looking forward to this part of the run and then it was like I couldn't wait to get up onto the bridge so I could see the views of the city and then it was like I couldn't wait to get down to this section because I would get to be in the city and then I would get to the final section which was through the park and so that's quite memorable for me because it was such a a bit of a hectic day when my tyre blew out on the bike. (laughs) I just made it to the run and then I finished and I actually had to go into work in the afternoon. So it was, yeah, I sort of felt like I was really experiencing the whole city (laughs) in, you know, in one day. Wow, you're a trooper uh, doing all that and then having to go to work afterwards because just (laughs) for the listeners, 14 kilometres is about a little bit over 10 miles from what I understand, right? Yeah, that's right. And so that, I mean, that's great. Kudos to you for doing something that raises money for the kids. I have two young children, so anything that we can do to help the the kids, especially those that are needing a little bit more help, that's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of fun, where would you say the happiest happy hour is in town? Oh, you know, I spent most of my happy hours at a place called Beer Deluxe, which was always after work in Federation Square. But um, there's a bar that I really love, and I just have to mention, it's called Madame Brussels. It's like a 1950s tennis parlor. And you can go in and they have, you walk in there and you just feel like you've gone in a time warp and they have this beautiful, it's like AstroTurf on the ground. You feel like you've just played a game of tennis and you're going in for pims or cucumber sandwiches. You, You sit on the rooftop and you can sit there and drink the night away. It's such a great atmosphere. It's one of my favorite places to to have a a bit of a drink. (laughs) That sounds like a wonderful experience. I like when bars or restaurants have that kind of unique twist on things where it creates that memorable experience that you're going to tell all your friends about. Yeah, and it's it's a really, you know, I, I first discovered this place, I think it was in the summertime. Obviously, you have a drink on the rooftop or you're outdoors, but I did actually go there one time in May when the weather was starting to get colder and, and we did sit outside and they bought us little blankets and we had heaters. So, you know, any time of year, it just was such a cozy place to, to go and relax and have a bit of fun. That sounds perfect. And so the last one is whenever I travel, I always like to uh, find pepperoni pizza in town and I always wonder what's the best pizza. So where's the best place to have pizza in Melbourne? I'm going to say two places. They're, they're kind of linked together. It's called Lucky Cock, which is down in Chapel Street in Windsor, and Bimbo's, which is in Brunswick, just to the north of the city, because you can get these really great pizzas for $4. There's a variety. You, can, you don't just have to have pepperoni. But if you go there at certain times, I guess it's kind of like their happy hour. And you, you go into these places and it's such a cool, grungy bar and, and you have your $4 peach. You could probably have two, you know, that's <laughs> um, that's how it is. But that's where I'd recommend, you know, something, you know, it's always cool to get those bargains and, you know, know those little tricks that the locals know so you can make the most of where you're visiting oh for sure yeah you had me i'm I'm a frugal guy so you had me at bargain yeah (laughs) and if it's tasty pizza that's all the better yeah absolutely so again abby thanks for being on the show so can you tell us a little about uh where you are what's going on with like your site and what it is that you do yeah thank you so much you can find me at abbylutus.com i am a life coach so i actually work with travelers who have been either living abroad or they've been on long-term travel or maybe not even such long-term travel and they come back to their home country and they're just a little bit lost or stuck or they're not sure what to do 
after spending so much time away, when you go away and, and you have a big adventure and you come back home, it's kind of like, oh, I'm here where I left off. What what am I going to do? So my work is in as a life coach is is to work with those clients and really help them to figure out how they can use their inspiration from their travels and just put it into their next steps of, of their life to do something that they really want to do. So Yes, you can find me at abbylutus.com and I also have a podcast myself. So the podcast runs on a similar theme where I chat with people who have done exactly what I mentioned. They've, They've been off, they've had a grand adventure, perhaps they've lived in a different city or country for seven years or a year or they've just been traveling solo for a year and then they come back and they experience this really transitional time where you know things aren't as what they thought they were going to be when they returned back to their home but they work through that transition they work through the issues and the emotions and everything that they face and then they go on to do something really incredible and amazing with their life so i think it's just a really great space there's a lot of people that experience this re-entry or reverse culture shock or there's a few different terms and there's a few different ways that you can look at it Lots of people experience it, but there's not many people talking about it. So I really wanted to share the stories of, of people to to highlight it for these people going through these experiences. So, you know, they, they know that they're not the only ones going through these feelings for themselves. And it's been really wonderful to share the stories of, of my guests on the Wonderlusters Mind podcast is, is what it's called. <laughs> well, that sounds great. I mean, I, it's one of those things where... To me, travel is a wonderful experience builder. Mm. Sometimes, you know, if, if you take that gap in your career, employers don't always look at it as a, as such a friendly, a friendly viewpoint. Mm. So that's great that you're doing this for them. Congratulations on, on helping so many people. And uh, we'll definitely have a link to all this in the show notes. Abby, thanks again for being on the show and telling us all about Melbourne. Thank you so much, Lee. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Don't you just love that Australian accent? Melbourne sounds like such an amazing place that offers so much to do and to see. I can picture myself driving down the coast right now to see the 12 Apostles. It may be a long flight from the U.S., but Melbourne is totally worth it. So what was your favorite part of the show? Did we miss anything? Please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Melbourne. Join us in the next episode when Dan McPherson of Leaders Must Lead shares how to score cheap tickets to Michigan football and why Ann Arbor, Michigan has the best brisket outside of Texas. We hope you'll join us when we travel there.